0: And we're back. Welcome back, folks. Beautiful morning out here. Suns a shining. Couldn't be any prettier day. And, uh, it's, it's nice that we're going to have it for the open and for the, uh, Super Bowl, you know, cause it's a little cool week or two ago. Anyway, welcome back to the program. We do have two lines available. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277 KTAR. Gordon in North Mesa. Good morning.
1: Uh, yeah, Brian, uh, Digging back into your history book, we live in uh, North Mesa, sort of uh, where the uh, North Gilbert Road intersects with the two hundred two on the north end, uh-huh. and we ha- we have a home that had well, we got it uh, thirty years ago, and full uh, of grapefruit trees, about seven or eight of them still alive. Question was back in probably I don't know sixty seven years ago, when they uh, put in these citrus groves up here, what? Uh, brand or type of uh, uh, grapefruit that they put in.
0: Well, are, are yours white or pink? They're white. Okay, so they're marsh white. And marsh white's got a really unique history. It was, it was really grown and became so popular because there was a fellow that lived in the uh, Phoenix Country Club that uh, invented squirt. You know the grapefruit uh, orange, uh, the grapefruit citrus drink. Oh yeah, and white grapefruit were planted all over the valley by the tens of thousands uh, to grow fourth squirt. So I mean that marsh white grapefruit, and that's still a favorite of many people here in the valley. But that's the old original marsh white, and it was probably more of it planted here than anywhere in the country. You know, back in the thirties and forties. Okay, Uh, been
1: told they're probably. You know, getting close to 80, 90 year old, but I kept, nobody ever. Well, the nice part, Gordon, was, is those uh, older
0: trees there, and, and, and I've got friends. Well, you've got a few fruit stands around there, and you've got uh, the Mitten Dwarfs and some different people that can tell you all about them because they've been there growing citrus that long, and so have your other neighbors. if you If you visit most of the larger fruit stands there in your neighborhood and go in there and talk with the proprietors, they can give you all kinds of information about those local trees.
1: Okay, well, uh, yeah, we really like them because uh, a lot of people say grapefruit are too tart for them, and we said, hey, these these are almost sweet, so uh, the the later it goes in the year, the sweeter they get.
0: Well, absolutely, you know, and and they're, they're really, I think, at their best in about May. Um, uh, you know, people have differences in preference on how acid they are. But uh, our citrus here in the you know the desert with our cold nights, what we do is we get a lot more acid in our fruits in other places. And then when it gets hot, we develop more sugar. So as the, se- the summer progresses, they'll get sweeter in the early part of the summer there. But, yeah, they're a wonderful fruit. And, you know, I'd really encourage you. John Babiars runs Greenfield Citrus there, you know, right around the corner from your home. And John's a good friend and a wonderful guy, and uh, he can certainly tell you all the history of those fruit in that neighborhood as well.
1: Okay, very good. Well, i guess just uh, my only uh, sorry about having all these trees. Is we used to have greeners come through and uh, clean them out for us and give them to the food bank. Now they quit doing that, so we got ten trees that we well. To you might you might contact,
0: the and there might be more of that available again now. Um, you know, there wasn't for a while because of COVID but uh, I, I think right. there's more people doing those kind of things, and uh, the food banks certainly appreciate them. I know that they don't always have the crews to harvest them, but um, you know, I, I would talk with the other fruit stands. Now, the problem is, in your neighborhood there's plenty of marsh white grapefruit, more than any fruit stand's going to sell, but there's also not enough to sell commercially, so it's kind of that catch-22 thing that uh, you know, like for us, we, we have to have our food safety, so we pack right out of our groves, and we don't, we can't take any fruit that we don't control. But, um, yeah, right. you know, there, there's certainly the food banks will. And uh, if you've got somebody to harvest it, I know they're happy to have it. But, um, you know, you can work with them as well. Okay. Well,
1: thank you. Appreciate Thanks, your Gordon. program. Love it. Have, have a nice you know, week. Have, have a good week. It looks like it's going to be wonderful.
0: <laughs> it certainly does. Bye, Gordon. Uh, Tom and Gilbert. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. What a beautiful day, huh? It really is. You know, and what's fun is looking out here at the mountains. I used to hike in when I was a kid and how green they are today. You know, with this warmer weather, they're just turning green, green.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Hey, uh, grapefruit, or grapefruit, coffee grounds. uh mm-hmm. Oh, and should you put coffee grounds
3: around
0: your trees? Well, you're you're almost not going to put too much on. I mean, you know, you'd have to have a big commercial supply to get too much, and and even then, I don't think you could do it. You, you could put it on as often as you like on larger trees. I mean, that what we're doing there is we're lowering the pH. You know, and coffee grounds are a great byproduct that you can do that with. So, you know, unless unless you're going to show up with wheelbarrows full on a on a weekly basis, I think you're fine. Okay, that's what I need to know. All right, Tom. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good uh Lee and Mesa. Good morning, Lee. Hey, good morning there. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir.
3: Hey, I got a, a problem with my uh, lemons. The tree is doing fine, but the lemons are kind of strange. Over the last couple years... They started getting enormous, almost the size of grapefruits, mm-hmm. and rather than a smooth skin, they got—it's a bumpy skin, like one of those old-fashioned hand grenades that you <laughs> see on TV. It's so, really weird.
0: Well, it's—it's it's not weird, Lee. What's happened is the Volcamariana rootstock has grown up, and you're you're nursing the rootstock instead of the lemon tree. So what you need to do is you need to follow those large limbs that have those big fruit back down near the ground and, and sever all those and cut them off. And you should find a portion in there somewhere, hopefully, that still has you know smaller lemons on them that aren't so bumpy. And uh, if you can do that, if I go back and find the original part that was grafted, remove all those big branches that are coming out from the Volca Mariana, it'll grow high-quality lemons again. and if you're going to be removing very large branches like three or four inches you might want to get some tree heel and seal it up as well
3: okay well the problem with that is uh well the tree is trimmed uh really well it's uh the the base is you know painted and it's maybe about four feet off the ground where the actual actual limbs and branches and stuff come out but it's not one trunk that goes straight up. It's numerous trunks. It, it's probably about five of them
0: that goes up. You mean coming from so, the ground, you mean? Yeah, coming yeah. out of so the ground. So what it uh, is, one of those trunks is the good one. Four of those okay. trunks are going to be the Volcamarian rootstock probably. So you would uh-huh. have to, if you want that tree to grow good lemons, you're gonna have to go back to the ground, you're gonna have to determine the one that's, you know, got the good lemons on it and remove all the others. Uh-huh, I see. Okay. But the nice part about yeah. it, Lee, is a lemon, you know. So even though it'll look misshapen and pretty odd for a while, if you'll do it this time of year, which is the perfect time to do it, then you'll have a tree you can reform and reshape. And within a year or so, you can, it should have a decent-shaped tree again
3: oh okay great well i'll give that a try and hopefully i don't completely butcher the, the well, tree.
0: And, and if you do it's not such a big deal because it's got that big root stock to nourish it down below and that big root uh-huh. system so it'll grow back you know with a vengeance it'll come oh, really okay, fast great. okay all right thanks lee all
3: right thanks a lot
0: bye-bye bye now uh dean in Lichfield park finally got us a west sider again dean how are you i'm doing great eric I have
4: a question on Palo Verde trees. Is that allowed right now, or is it just citrus? <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely, it's all out. I've got thirteen Palo Verdes on my tree house. Most of them were planted in two thousand four. They were uh, called a Desert Emerald from the grow route here on the west side, uh-huh. and uh, for the most part, they've done very good. Um, you know, they're they're definitely mature. They're probably an you know, all foot in diameter for the most part. But uh, they're starting, you know, they're, they're getting very dark and black and, and definitely not the nice green like they've you know, been most of their life. Um, are these things starting to age out, or what, what might be going on there?
0: Well, you know, Dean, they are basically been out in the sun for a long time with a lot of radiation, so that bright, lighter green kind of wood will we'll change uh-huh. with age. You know, so it'll darken up some with age. Now, that's not an unusual. What you probably have is actually called a Sonoran Emerald uh, Palo Verde, and it's a nice exactly. cultivar. And it uh, it's a little sturdier than the Desert Museum, as far as the foliage is a little denser, and it's a good tree. But with age, you know, we all we all change a little bit.
4: Okay. All right, so it sounds like it's normal and nothing to be worried about. Nothing
0: to be concerned about. You know, the the one thing that you want to watch for with any of these Palo Verdes is for Palo Verde beetles, and you'll see exit holes like in August. And if you start seeing holes around your tree and the trees start to stress and thin, then you'd want to treat the beetles. But aside from that, there's really no pest or anything that bother them here. Yeah,
4: I've, uh, I've treated them in the past. It's probably been about five years with mullet granules. And uh, that definitely works because one of the trees, I actually ran out of the product and didn't do it. And it still has the beetles, and it's very evident that uh, that's the one I didn't treat. But, yeah, the mullet works very
0: well. Well, Dean, have a nice day, and thanks for the call. Okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break we're going to come back with Dennis and Glendale then uh, looks like Valerie and Scottsdale and if you'd love to be up after Valerie we'd love to have you the number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTR it's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTR.
2: Somebody hold my coat. Yeah, we're gonna need a bigger
5: boat.
0: So we can leave the ark at home. Anyway, beautiful morning out there, folks, and uh, we'll get right back to the phones. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. Give Cher a call. You could be up after Nancy with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Yes, it is a beautiful morning. I have um, uh, three bells in, in the back of my garden,
2: kind of as a hedge. And I have uh, the center one is uh, is not as dense anymore as it used to be, and the leaves are starting to turn brown on the edges. Uh, am I doing something wrong? Or? Uh,
0: probably more winterized than anything else. I wouldn't worry about any of them too much this time of year, Dennis. It's going to okay. warm up here in the next couple of weeks, and i will all wake up. You know, as soon as they start to bud and grow, if you want to fertilize them, they'll they'll fill in and come back quickly. Okay, great. I appreciate your info. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Dennis. Bye-bye. Valerie up in Scottsdale. Good morning, Valerie.
6: Good morning brian i'm still loving your show you told other callers how to trim uh two different types of rose bushes but you didn't mention the grandiflora i have a huge queen elizabeth that gets to be about seven feet tall it's about five and a half feet tall right now and um got a lot of blooms on it (laughs) but how do i trim that
0: well valerie what do you do you like to bring in long stems off of it or do you just keep it for a bush out in the garden both. <laughs> oh, come on. Give <laughs> me an easier way to answer your question. But anyway, um, no, if, you know, this time of year is a time, and it's kind of hard because, you know, if you let them bloom through the winter, it's still in bloom. But, you know, you can reduce it, you know, by 60 or 70 percent on a rose bush, And by doing so, you're going to get longer stem, nicer blooms. Now, oh, if okay. you're not going to try and grow special long stem blooms, you don't have to reduce it that much. But I would take it back to at least half right now, and mm-hmm. I would thin it out, and I would do it right Away because it's only going to go more into bloom and get prettier and be harder for you to trim. <laughs> yeah.
5: So right. you know, just, yeah.
0: just mark the calendar. Okay, lunchtime, we're going to go trim the rose bush and uh, <laughs> get some long handed little whoppers. You know, we have the little rose loppers with like the 18 inch handles for getting back in those big ones. But you know, that really the plant's going to be healthier, happier, and prettier if you'll prune it.
6: Right. Okay. Thanks for the advice.
0: Have fun, Valerie. Thank you. B- Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Nancy in Sun City. Good morning, Nancy.
7: Good morning, Brian. Uh, yes, I have a question. Uh, my yard, the perimeter is surrounded by bougainvilleas and oleanders. When's the best time to trim those? It seems like they're always blooming.
0: <laughs> well, the best time to prune them. them if you want to do heavy pruning is is really in about two or three weeks. You know, because they, oh, they okay. probably still have blooms now, don't they, or the defrost?
7: Oh, yes. I, I, they sure do, and they're, especially the Bucanvia Okay, and the Olean, they're starting to get them.
0: And, Nancy, are, do you leave for the summer, or are you here year-round?
7: No, no, I'm here year-round. Excellent. And I just like to know when's the best time to give them a shape. I don't really need to trim them back too much. Well, or is it better...
0: To do that. Well, no, it's, it's better if you want to maintain the blooms, it's better to prune mm-hmm. them fairly hard. And uh, okay. the best time to do that is about the 1st of March because typically by then the weather is up around 80 and they're going to grow back quickly. So you're not going to okay. miss the blooms for very long. And if you'll butcher okay. them as hard as you like. You know, pretty much that first of March time. And then you can let Mm -hmm. them go all the way until August. And then in August, you'll probably start to get some little caterpillars and things on them. Kind of ignore them for about three or four weeks. And then somewhere there about the first of September, come back and butcher them and cut off all the damage that the caterpillars did. And really cut them back hard because then they'll bloom beautifully all the way until the next year when they either freeze or you prune them again in March.
7: Oh, okay. So, kind of March September mm-hmm. is good time. And the, on the oleanders,
0: it just depends that you know how you want to how big you want to grow them. But one yeah, little, I'm head.
7: using them for a hedge.
0: Okay, when you so, want them to be yeah. a hedge, if you want them to stay full, Nancy, what uh-huh. you want to do is you want to trim them a little narrower on top and wider at the base, kind of like okay. we say that pear shaped body, you know. And what that does, uh-huh. it lets the sunlight hit all the way down, so they'll stay full to the ground.
6: Oh, okay.
7: Oh well, that's good to know. Okay. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you.
0: Have a nice weekend. Bye bye. You. T- oh, let's see, Digger Odell and Winslow. Good morning, Digger. Hello. how's it going? Good. Awesome.
8: This is your uh, your fellow sloper from the west side <laughs> who loves to, who loves to beat up on them siders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the gridiron, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just wanted to call uh, in a big shout-out to the woman from Canada uh, who asked, why the heck do we butcher our shrubs down here? And let me tell you, there was, I'm I'm sure, a a huge chorus of, yay, He told the truth? (laughs) It used to drive me crazy. You know, knowing better, as my horticultural knowledge grew, I knew... I knew I was butchering them, but you know, I I had to keep the job.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a lot, you know, and the hard part is it's it's not necessarily that the ones doing the trimming are the ones that call the shots. They're just the the ones that call the shots. Always the one that's paying the bill.
8: (laughs) Well, right, it's all about money. You know, it's like uh, you know, you can get into the economics of it. It Is you you know, you hit it on the head as far as it takes knowledge and it takes time. So, uh I happened to work for Earth Lawn back in the day and uh we actually had some clients that were willing to pay for the uh structural pruning and it was very gratifying. One of the best organizations I ever worked for. Um, but anyway, I had a, a question. I you know, I live up on the Colorado Plateau and my tridentia um creosote is barely holding on. It's pretty cold up here for it. And I'm trying to find one, a high altitude creosote. You know, they're all over the Americas, uh, including down in Peru up in high altitudes. And I try to, I want to try to track one down. Any ideas?
0: Well, you know, the place I've seen them in Arizona. Um, the highest is is in southern Arizona. And uh, down around I-10, around Texas Canyon, those kind of areas, you know, you'll see them in there okay. pretty commonly at, at close to 5,000 feet, you know, 4,500, 5,000. But, you know, Winslow, you're just, you're still, you're going to add an extra 1,000 feet on it. And, uh, you know, you don't see them, you know, up in the, you know, across 40. But uh, I think, you you know, your best bet to find one that's higher elevation that I've witnessed are the ones down, you know, along I-10. And and they'll get up pretty high on I-10. So oh, if,
9: you okay. head, if you head down cool. south yeah, to Wilcox,
0: I-, I mean, you can take that nice trip. And you can go over and go down through Sholo and drop all the way down <laughs> and, and get down towards right. Wilcox oh, and, yeah. and get up a pretty high elevation. And, and they transplant pretty easy except for when they're in bloom.
8: Okay, good to know.
0: You know, I'd forgotten about
8: that population down there. Yeah, it's got it's got genetics creeping up from the south.
0: Yeah, something different, um, but that's that's about the highest elevation that I, you know, and there might be somebody else. I'm sure there's a lot of people. And Ron Gass that's down there with his farm. I'm sure he's he's been all over, you know, chasing plants for the last, you know, 50 years, 60 years. So he he could probably right, tell people. us where some are higher, but for what I've seen, that's about the highest ones I've seen.
8: Right, right. My my go-to uh, for the really rare ones is Plants of Gale over at uh, Plants of the Southwest mm-hmm. um, in Santa Fe. Well, um,
0: there's, there's a lot of fun plants, uh, a lot of fun ones to collect, and a lot of different things to do. I'm going to let you go because I'm going to try and get some more callers in before the break. But uh, appreciate the call, and, and well, enjoy you're, your weekend.
2: Yeah, you a
5: call
0: from the website. I thought I. Oh, <laughs> Winslow's a little have further a north, day. too. That's, that's a good call. For you're the furthest north. Yeah, well, I have... We had a Flagstaff call today, so you you win the north one. <laughs>
8: oh, northeast. Right on, brother. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. Pauline and Casa good morning. Good morning. How are you?
10: Excellent. I. I have some plants that I want to put up and I got a really nice viney jasmine and my yard is or my house is facing um north south. So what wall do you recommend? Or what Pauline, you know, do we what side know what kind of jasmine yard? it is? Uh no.
0: Does it have a label or anything on it or
10: it does, but it's not with me. So it's okay. the one with the yeah. little shiny green leaves and little
0: white flowers. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they can solve. Yeah, them. okay. So that's yeah. probably a star jasmine, and star probably. jasmine will do best right up against the south side of the house. You know, as long as we have a little bit of an overhang, it'll do really well there. Yep. It'll grow well on the east side and the north side. It'll grow fine, but it won't bloom.
10: Okay. Okay. And put it up along a lattice that'll help it climb a yeah, little yeah, bit, it's you think?
0: Not, it's it's not going to be vining or self-supporting. It'll need some kind of a trellis or something, some type of support. You know, it won't cling okay. to the wall like a cat's claw or creeping fig, so it'll need some support.
10: Okay, one more quick thing. I have a, a nice um, um, mesquite tree mm-hmm. up in the front. And um, uh, wait, is it a mesquite? What are all the ones that fall
0: over when it rains? Um, Well, sometimes you see mesquites and sometimes palo verdes will blow over. but uh,
10: uh, Probably a mesquite. So I put down some of that bark around the body of it. Is that recommended for those kind of trees here in the
0: desert? it It won't make much difference. The reason why we use bark mulch or we use granite mulch mainly is to help with weed control. You know, so it keeps the surface area from being exposed. And if we don't have the sun on the soil, we don't get as many weeds. Um, You know, and the mesquite trees, they're not all weak. I mean, the Chilean mesquite is one that's a little weaker. We grow one called an American that's a little more sturdy and stable. Appreciate the call, Pauline. Have a nice weekend. And it looks like uh, Mr. Troy snuck in here in the news again. We're going to find out what's happened in the world. We'll be right back. During the interim, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. It's Troy, Shura, and Brian here every Sunday with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show, 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. Sunday morning out there. We do have a line still available. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Looks like Will and Carefree. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Brian. Uh,
2: I live right at the base of Black Mountain, and my question is, I have a couple of Arizona rosewoods that I planted about 15 years ago. They're about 7 feet tall and 7 feet wide, and they're only about thirty feet apart, twenty feet far from each other. One is beautiful green all the time, and the other one, the leaves turn yellow, and it
3: looks like they need
2: water, or they're being attacked by something, or they're being uh, attacked by frost or something. But they're that way all year round. And I've tried watering it, and I've tried giving it some fertilizer. Nothing seems to work. What do you think? And, and they're so close, the soil's the same. So what do you think it might be?
0: Well, an ax, you know, cut one down, leave the other green one. Or or maybe you like the wimpy one better. But, uh, no, at any rate, um, it could be a big difference in soil. You know, it could be a difference. You know, they're probably genetically pretty darn close. But, um, you know, the way the hole drains, different things like that, can make a huge difference. You can sit on a piece of caliche where it doesn't very,
2: drain. Yeah, there's no caliche here. And it's very soft sand. It's like butter when you dig down. hmm uh-huh. Uh, yeah, for both areas, I dug the holes for both of them. And, yeah. You uh, might
0: just have one that's draining a lot faster than the other one though. What you might try for something that would give it a constant, slower bit of nutrients would be to try some melargonite, which is, uh, you know, the human waste type fertilizer. Maybe you get a couple right. of shovels and work it in around the top. Uh, and that'll tend okay. to last for quite a while and it's also got a lot of minor nutrients in it.
2: Okay. The other question is, uh, how much water should they get? The soil, the soil here dries out pretty quick.
0: Well, in real sandy water, I even mean, you know. They, they typically would yeah. live more in an arroyo where they had more of a water supply and usually more like on the east side or north side of a mountain where they're getting poor shade. But, um so, I, ideally, if you want them to grow their fastest, you could water as often as twice a week if you wanted to. Um You know, when they're yeah. established, they'll thrive with far less. They're kind of like a jojoba. I mean, they can become very deep-rooted, too, over time and you usually get down to where there's more moisture. And we've had... Yeah, we're on the,
2: we're on the south side and... Uh, and I, I'm not worried about the growth. I'm just worried about the foliage looking so poorly.
0: Well, I'll try to work yeah, some kind of, you know, like that's where that belarganite might work. Or, you know, you could use like a little osmocote, but something that's going to be longer lived in the soil. <laughs> and uh, I, I think okay. they might have some results with those.
2: Okay. And the, and the other question is, we have a couple of yuccas that uh, we're doing really good. Actually, we have a lot of yuccas, but a couple of them are looking really good. And then all of a sudden, they start to kind of fall over. And they really uh, drooped, And one of them went across the path, so I cut it off. And inside it was this huge larva eating away. At the, was it a yucca or an
0: agave wheel?
2: It was a yucca. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know all about the agave weevils. It looked like a, it looked like a nightmarish agave weevil. It was hmm. uh, yellowish in color, very accordion with almost an arrowhead shape uh, to the head. And uh, my neighbor had one across the street as well. We took a picture of it and. Uh, on the sidewalk, the darn thing was like uh, four or five inches long and an inch thick. Have you ever run across anything like that?
0: No, I've never seen that. I've seen plenty of them in agaves, but not so much in yuccas. Did you immediately go up to uh, Bartwood Lake and catch a large catfish? <laughs> I should have. I'll tell you. <laughs> You're not far. Is there, is there anything you know.
2: I could put in the soil? Is there
1: anything? Yeah, what I, 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 I would uh, do is
0: I would treat with some systemic. So, uh, in a okay. And, um, so it's going to be a systemic insecticide you could do it a couple of times a year, but probably the most important time would be the entry period, which is most likely April, May. Okay. And April, then
2: maybe, May. is there a brand name for that?
0: Well, it's bears. There's could be a bear grub control, systemic tree control. I mean, in is the active ingredient in a lot of these, but like oh, okay. one of them would be a grub okay. control would have it in it. And, um, and it's a good systemic, so that it goes into the plant and makes it toxic to the grubs, or you know those usually come yeah. from a beetle that lays its you know larvae in there. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah.
2: So basically, is, what you want to do is the make
0: same, the, the plant toxic to the beetles when they you know when the right. things are first put in.
2: So it's the same same process as with an agave.
0: Same process with an agave, you know, and you know I, I would guess that you know probably the same problem we had you know two years ago when we had the hot dry summer, um, you know a lot of plants got stressed, you know. And healthy yes. plants don't tend to get attacked, but that year, everything. I mean, the Golden Barrels died all over Paradise Valley. And so when things are weakened and stressed, they succumb to a lot more insects. And that's probably when yeah. they got started in there.
2: Okay. One, one last question again on how frequently would you water, water a, uh, uh, an Arizona rosewood? Well, if probably uh, at the, was,
0: the most I, I would do probably will honestly be weekly. You know, I, I would think any yeah, more okay. than that would be somewhat wasteful. But yeah, um, actually
2: I'd like to cut back I'd like to cut back to a little more than that, but once a week would be
0: adequate. Well I think that'd be yeah, and that's in the heat of the summer, you know. This, yeah, this yeah, time of year through okay, the winter thank it doesn't you so need much. any water. Thanks, Will. Bye bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh Karen down in Cassagran. Good morning, Karen.
7: Good morning, Brian. Um, I bought a Florida print, a bare root Florida Prince from a local nursery yesterday uh-huh. and we planted it. And I forgot to ask about a watering schedule for a new uh, peach tree.
0: Well, on a bare root one, what you want to do is cut it back by probably at least a third to half. Okay, so cut the whole top of the tree, all the wood back by that much. And then you want to give it some super treble phosphate or bone meal and put that in right around the top, okay? And then you want to get the hole super saturated, okay? So you can water from the bottom up, but you've already got it planted, so you wouldn't do that. Just turn the hose on full force and push it to the Mm -hmm. bottom of the hole and let the water come up from the bottom to make sure that all air pockets and everything are settled in there. And then there's no reason to probably water it again until you see it start to bud. And that with this kind of weather can happen pretty quickly. And once it gets budded out and gets some leaves on it, then you'll water it about weekly.
7: Okay. And then fertilizer, not for a while.
0: Well, the fertilizer I would use, I would use super treble phosphate or bone meal. The extra oh, phosphorus okay. really helps these plants to root out. And we, you're, you know, you're asking a lot for a tree to be bare rooted. So you're going to give it every advantage by giving it some super treble phosphate, which is when you buy the fertilizer, it's the middle number. So the first one's nitrogen, yeah. second one, but it's like so it'll be zero, like forty-five zero, okay, or bone meal, yeah. which is the same thing, just organic and. And uh, put some of that on top right away, if you would.
7: Okay. And then a quick question, switching topics to um, uh, grass, Bermuda grass. Uh Um, I put my uh, pre-emergence on, like, last week. Okay. And when do I fertilize now?
0: Um, You know, you can fertilize any time. It's just just, uh, Bermuda grass lawn with no overseed? Uh, Yes. Okay. So, you know, it's going to start to wake up as this weather hits the mid 70s. You know, if you'd want to put like the 21 7 14 fertilizer on it right now, uh, you can do that. If you have any weeds, they're going to come up faster than the grass will because it's not really that warm. But, uh, you know, typically we would wait and fertilize at the middle of this month. And
7: putting the pre emergent on was okay. It was a great idea. You might be
0: a little late, I'm afraid. I'm I'm afraid you might have some weeds already (laughs) germinated.
7: Oh, well, I'll have to write that down and do it next year earlier. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks,
0: Karen. Bye bye. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let's see. Roseanne and surprise. Good morning, Roseanne.
6: Good morning. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I was just wondering about um, when I should be trimming my Asian pear back and when I should fertilize.
0: Today. Okay. Would be a good time okay. to prune it back. And um, okay. Yeah, if you want to prune back? it back. It, well it depends on how you want to shape it. Pears and apples, um, we tend not to prune as much as we do peaches and apricots and plums. But it depends on, you know, your purpose. If you're growing the tree, you know, mainly for fruit, it's going to be easier to maintain it smaller and harvest fruit on it. So, you know, you can prune it back by like a third. How how old is your tree, Roseanne?
6: Uh, it's about three years old okay. and um, I was told that you should cut off in the middle so that they stop going upright and start going out.
0: That's right. So, that's, that's so exactly about a right. year
6: into it, I cut that off. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's starting going out, but the outside is now trying to go up. So I wasn't sure how far back I should cut that.
0: No, you can thin them back by take probably at least a third of the wood off if you like, and uh, that'll balance okay. the tree out better. Take like the, you got the right idea taking the long verticals out and spreading it out so it's easier to harvest, and the best quality fruits going to be on the inside where it's protected from the from the sun as well. And as far as fertilizing okay. it, you know you could you could fertilize it now or any time in the next couple weeks. It won't make any difference by white you're out working on it go ahead and feed it
6: okay Um, just a couple of other quick quick things I got a rose bush that used to be one of those two inch cups and now it's like three foot by three foot Uh I wasn't sure how far back I could cut that without damaging it
0: okay so it's probably is it like a mini rose has small flowers very difficult. Yeah. Okay, and you can cut yeah, it back now as it much just as you grown like. Huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, I mean if you want to just kill it? no, you're not going to kill it. If you want to just okay. you know really reduce it back <laughs> to you know the size of a, say a desert tortoise's shell, you know just oh okay,
5: you, know, you can take okay, it way back a like long that, way. thin
0: it all out, yeah, and it'll be fine.
6: Okay, and then last thing was is um, am I too late to cut back the green grape vines?
0: No, no, it's perfect time to prune grapes.
6: Perfect time to do that. Okay. Yeah, they have. And then, what would yet, you recommend so. for fertilizer? Yeah, fertilizer. I've had trouble like late in the summer um, with not you know with the leaves. I've had to give it a lot of water. Well, um, what happens late in the really summer? Great you, on the
0: fertilizer. You run out of the minor nutrients. Okay. So like manganese, okay. zinc, magnesium, those kind of things, and, and grapes and a lot of the stone fruits, you know, <laughs> use quite a bit of that up in the season. What you can do though is you can fertilize them again, like in the midsummer. You know, so you can fertilize. Oh, you can, it. Okay. Oh, yeah, you can. And, you know, we're going to typically talk about fertilizing like an evergreen, like a citrus, you know, back in September. Uh-huh. Fertilize at the end of July instead. Oh, okay, July. Okay, just be careful okay. not to... And I can do that now? Nitrogen. Well, not now's not July, okay, but not, you can fertilize now, too, and in May as well.
6: Okay, now in May. Okay, perfect. So you said no... Um, N- know what? Not well, no. In them? the
0: middle of the summertime, just be careful not to put too much nitrogen on. Um, so, okay. but a really good fertilizer. We have one called Organo Pro Citrus Food that's got chelated uh-huh. iron and sulfur in it, and that works really well for the stone fruits and the grapes as well. Okay, what was that
6: called again? Or- or- Organo, Organo Pro
0: Citrus Food. Okay, perfect. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, Russ, I appreciate again. it. Bye bye. Uh, We're going to take a short break while we're gone. We do have a couple lines available. A lovely Shira here answering the phones. Number to call 602 277 5827. 277 KTAR. to play that on, but we're running down on time. want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, uh, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. If you need trees any kind, any size, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. No job's too big. None's too small. If you need a 1,000 date palms, we've got them. If you're looking for a mule palm, we've got it. If you're looking for the citrus tree that you can come in and taste the fruit on before you plant it at home, we'd love to plant one for you. Whatever your dreams and desires, whether it be a fruitless olive tree, a big shade tree, or perhaps... and a beautiful ironwood. We grow them all right here in Arizona. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley yeah, and Guadalupe. Or 2647 East Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here for Arizona's future. And want to take a minute to invite you out too to see our partners in our citrus business. We grow citrus here in the valley, out in the East Valley and down in Hyder. And you can find our fruit at, uh, well, we'll try to get to be nice to all these guys because they're all wonderful people we work with we got the Sprout stores Whole Foods Albertson and Safeway and the Bashes family so that's Bashes and also including AJ's and Food City and we appreciate them all it's Tangelo season folks they're in the stores you know we won't release them until they taste good and uh, it's time the Tangelo's are right anyway back to the phones let's see next up we have uh, oh gotta get the right order Nick in Phoenix hi Nick
9: Hey, how are you doing? Great, sir. Hey, so I got a question for you. A uh, long time listener. Um, I have uh, a palm tree that's recently been cut down um, at my mom's house um, and she wants the stumper removed and she bought this stump out stuff and I drilled the holes for her. I followed the directions and, um, and, uh, recently it came up on the sixth week that it calls for, you know, you wait after uh, so long and everything and, and I, um, after pouring the, the, the product in there and I took the kerosene and I put it down in the holes and it lit up fine and, 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 created, you know, quite a, um, quite a smell in the neighborhood, I'm sure, but, um, but, it doesn't seem to really be affecting this stump, this palm tree stump is about twenty five inches probably mm-hmm. in diameter um across and and uh is there any other ways I can I can go about this? Is is my Well Nick plan. what what I would
0: do is I'd put like a little of dirt on it, you know, and get you either a little star or crucifix and put up on the end and pretend <laughs> like there was something that was buried there once. And uh you
9: know, then nobody'll want to dig there anymore, right? And and you'll be all well, set. The problem is it's up against her house um, in the front and she wants to um, do like a a front yard uh, sitting area, stuff like that. So the mound is kind of... Not the option she's wanting to go with. Well,
0: okay, then if she doesn't want to have the burial ground in the middle of her patio, what I would recommend is getting somebody out with a stump grinder and just grinding it down below grade. And then you could pour concrete over it, put pavers over it, it'd be fine. Uh, palm tree roots don't rot out very fast. And, um, you know, it's nothing that's going to go away quickly. So, But the stump grinder can, can make short work of it. And truthfully, if with a stump grinder, a big one, they could take it down far enough where it won't be enough there to cause a
9: problem okay okay great um and uh a couple of your uh, uh callers before they have a lot of last questions but I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be true to my last question um she has a, a tree in the backyard is absolutely amazing um but we're not sure w- what kind of tree it is it almost looks like uh, the branches grow horizontal and then up um very very uh wide um canopy um but The different people we've talked to, you know, something, Mesquite, uh, in the Mesquite family. Nick, I'll
0: I'll tell you what we can do because we are about out of time. Um, Okay. You you can just hold on uh, off the air here. We'll get your phone number, and uh, we'll we'll figure it out, okay? Just hold on, and uh, Cheryl will get your number, and I'll call you after the program, okay? Thank you. And let's see, we do have, well, we're out at 5630. No, I guess we really, well, we'll get one more caller in first. Uh, who's the, uh, Jeremy and Mesa. Good morning, Jeremy.
2: Good morning. I've got a hibiscus bush, I guess. It's a couple years old. Is that one of those bushes that you can butcher all the way down, or how far back can I trim that, and when should I? Well,
0: Jeremy, you know, hibiscus really like 80, 90 degrees, so this is still a little cool for it. It'll start to wake up and bud, you know, with the 70-degree stuff and 75. What I would do is maybe give it a light shot of fertilizer first, let it start to pop some buds, and if you want it to come back quicker, um, either let the new buds come out in the center and fill in some, or cut off half the plant and leave it for a couple weeks so the other. The leaves are bigger and then cut the other side, but either one of those techniques will work, but I would let it start to develop some growth first.
2: Okay, so you, can you cut it back like half the size that it is absolutely. now? absolutely you could reduce it you like, could
0: reduce it way back. It's not going to harm it, but I would give it the opportunity to be a little warmer first when it's going to actively grow more
3: crowned cut. I'll give it a away. Thanks I so appreciate it. Thanks
0: Jerry. Bye bye. Hey we appreciate all the calls today folks and uh, Mike and Jeff and Jerry I'll take you all off the air. Hope you enjoyed the program and let's go out and enjoy each other and you know it's our life is much like those football teams. We're most successful when we play together as a team and it takes a lot of diversity. We need those big guys to block and we need the little guy that can throw the ball to the guy can catch the ball and you know those those honorary linebacker guys to chase him to the sideline and jump on them and uh, it takes all of that to make a team, and it takes all that to make a team of life here in the United States, too. We're in such a wonderful country where we share such diversity. There's no place like this on the earth, and uh, we need to celebrate our diversity because that's our strength, and the more we enjoy each other, the stronger we'll all be. Have have fun with the Open and the Super Bowl. We'll be back. I guess we'll be back on Super Bowl Sunday, (laughs) Sharon and I, with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. If you want some beautiful color, come out and see us at Whitfield's this week. We can help you out with a beautiful garden shade tree or maybe a lemon tree for mom